0: All right, what is going on, Detroit? Coming to you on a Thursday here. This is another episode of the Guys Being Dudes podcast. This will be episode number 42. You want to follow us on Twitter? Find our Twitter at Guys Being Dude 15. The Instagram is GBD Podcast 2021. Our sponsor, we are brought to you by Rise Network. All of our socials, our Twitter, our Instagram, Rise Network US. You want to find our website www.risenetworkus.com we have merch there live we have upside swings merch live wire fantasy football merch rise merch please spend your money we want your money give us your money we want that. yes we want the check and today we have a pistons episode and we have a very very special guest for you guys today he is the host of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. He's a graduate from Chippewa Valley High School. He's got one of the best high top fades I think I've ever seen in my life. And I just <laughs> realized he is a hell of a guy. He's an absolute machine on the leg press machine at the gym.
1: He is Mr. Kukahill. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. How are you guys doing? Doing good. How about yourself, man? I'm doing good, man. Just got off of work. You feel me? Coming home, chilling
0: out a little bit. Got you. Got you. So, before we talk some Pistons here, let's uh let's get into how me how me and you met. Uh, so so I was at the gym one day and I'm just you know s- you know sitting there doing my workout, and I see this guy that I may or may not recognize on the leg press machine there. He racks it. And I'm like, oh, that is him. That is the guy that that hosts Locked On Pistons. And I walk up to you and. Just start talking and here you are dude you're on the show
2: how does that network work so like you guys have like lockdown Pistons and then you guys have like it's like each podcast starts with the word lockdown and then it's like the different sports teams and then each podcast covers a different sports team within the Detroit region right
1: it's so the lockdown network is like a it's a countrywide network podcast platform so they have NHL NBA NFL MOB college sports oh, so school yeah, yeah. Like, so it's like, format? yeah, 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 okay. yeah. So then everything. So it's locked on Red Wings, Lions. And then if you go to a different city, Bucks, Bruins, all, all that stuff, you go anywhere, you'll have a locked on uh, version, and whether it's college, NHL, like I said, you'll find it anywhere. Oh, that's dope,
0: dude. And then before we get to Pistons, uh, Koo. just so all of our audience can find you, you want to go ahead and throw out your socials, feel free.
1: Yeah, you guys can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. You can also find my podcast, Locked on Pistons Podcast, on all your podcast platforms. Also, check us out on YouTube. We do a, a audio plat, a audio version over on the podcast, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that stuff. We also have a visual version uh, on YouTube, Locked on Pistons. Go over there, hit that subscribe button. I'd really appreciate it. But, yeah, that's all you guys. The YouTube channel really is the best way to support the podcast. That, that right there, if you want to support the podcast, check me out. Go to the YouTube channel, best way to support it.
0: All right, guys, you heard it first. Go follow his YouTube, his Twitter, his everything. Let's actually get into the content of today's episode. And like I had mentioned, it is a Pistons episode. We just had an awesome game a couple nights ago against the Nuggets where we unfortunately lost in a pretty close one. But our guy, man, our number one pick, what I think is the number one guy on this team, Cade Cunningham, had a hell of a night. Dropped 34, 8-8, eight and eight, had two steals and two blocks Uh, Put the reigning MVP, Nikola Jokic, on absolute skates with a killer, killer step back. And cool, you know, let's just start it out here. You know, Cade's last 10 games, he's been killing it, right? He's got, you know, 18 and a half, four rebounds, five, five assists, averaging over a steal a game, a block a game. He's playing really, really well. I think it's clear at this point, the, you know, early season rust, of course, he started out with that ankle injury, has officially shaken off him. He's just getting better and better and better and i want to know your opinion on this is one is he a guy is he a guy that we can build around for years to come and two a follow up question to that where is his ceiling is he a top 3 player in the league when he is 28 years old is he top 5 is he top 10 how many all star games are we talking what's your opinion on this
1: guy well 100% i think he's the guy the piss is going to build around i think he 100% is their franchise guy uh before the season, there was, you know, even towards the beginning of the season, there was kind of like a little, uh, I won't call it a feud, but it was kind of like a, a little bit of confusion about who would close games. You had Jeremy Grant t- taking shots, uh, closing games. A lot of people wanted Kade to do it. And it happened like that, that Kade quickly like emerged as the best player on the team and as the guy on that team. And it only took a month, and he's like, what, 19 years old? So 19, 20 years old. So he's 100% the guy. Uh, the Pistons were gifted to get that number one overall pick, and it, 100% Kate Cunningham's that guy. Um, as far as his ceiling, he's going to be a perennial All Star almost every single year. I think he he'll be like an MVP type of player. There, before the draft, I forget his name. I think I think it's Mike Smiths. He's one of the ESPN uh, uh, draft guys. He said that before the draft, this guy was the most complete prospect he had ever scouted in the like in the past 15 years. And if you've watched Cade this year, you can see that completely. The dude can shoot the ball. He can pull up on, if you try to play drop coverage, you ice him, he can hit a pull-up three in the pick and roll. He can hit transition threes. He can play off-ball, catch and shoot. He can cut to the basket. He can post up, which you've seen him start to do a little bit more uh, the last few weeks. Anybody, he, He's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, so he can post up smaller guys at the point guard guard position. He's strong on his drives. He can finish around the rim. He shoots good from the free throw. There's literally not a single part of his game. And We're not even talking about him as a playmaker. He's has some amazing vision. He's able to make his teammates better, sometimes to a fault. Sometimes there's been some criticism that he kind of lets the game come to him a little bit too often and kind of lets, you know, tries to pass it on and let his teammates come along a little bit longer or a little bit quicker. Uh, But he there's not a single hole in this guy's game. And we haven't even talked about the fact that he can basically guard one through four on the other end as well. So uh, I think once he reaches his peak like athletic body as well, once he puts some muscle on as well and you know, reaches his his, his ceiling skill-wise, we're looking at a dude who's going to be a perennial all-star. I think will be like an MVP type of player, uh, hopefully for the Pistons.
2: Yeah, um, so Cade Cunningham seems like the better pick in this uh, draft than uh... – it seems like us picking up Cade Cunningham was actually better than us picking up Jalen Green because, I mean, obviously, you saw from the other night that Cade dropped 34 and then was 14 for 26 on field goals when Jalen Green was seven for three for 10. So I think that Cade Cunningham is the guy that um, is establishing himself as the rookie of the year for the future. I feel like, um, in order to keep Cade uh, rolling and getting his rhythm um, throughout each game, I feel like we do need to pick up a couple of positions. So I I think that one of the biggest positions that we need to pick up for in order for Cade to explode and to start performing really well is a center. So, I mean, do you think that Cade Cunningham um, will be able to do it and like reach that ceiling by himself? Or do you think that like, like how I use an example, we need to like start building around him more and more and start picking up key positions?
1: Uh, well, he he, one hundred percent is going to need some help. Uh, the team definitely gonna have to do a good job of putting pieces around him. He won't be able to do it by himself. No one will be able to do it by themselves. The NBA nowadays, uh, you know, when I was growing up, you saw a little bit more of the one man guy. You you have a superstar, and you just put like role players around, like the Dwight Howard Orlando Magic. Though that kind of stuff was able to happen, but nowadays you have multiple teams having like two to three top twenty five players on their on their squad. You got the Lakers, you got the Brooklyn Nets, you got the Golden State Warriors, like. You're not going to be able to do it with just one guy. So they're 100% going to have to build around him really well. Uh, He's going to need pieces. And I completely agree about the center spot. I've been saying since the offseason, and even more so specifically from what we've seen during the season, that a pick-and-roll big guy and any kind of big guy that can bring some kind of offensive gravity uh, and offensive creation is the biggest need this team has right now. Uh, It's 100% at the top of the list of things they have to get. Uh, Isaiah Stewart, I think is going to be a fine, high-level backup for the Pistons, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, at at the spe- especially where he was drafted at, I believe he was 16th overall. That getting a high-level backup at the 16th overall pick is really good. Uh, he's a good defender, but he just lacks offensive gravity. He's he's not very explosive. Uh, he's went away from completely shooting the outside shot. So there's oftentimes there's one play a uh, few games ago against the Utah Jazz, Rudy Gobert was literally just sitting in the paint, patrolling the paint because he just didn't respect. Isaiah Stewart, and that's happening a lot, and it makes it tough not only on Cade, uh, but honestly, you want to talk about players hurting even more, and I think that's Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes is really struggling because he don't have he doesn't have a real pick and roll big guy, but it's hurting all the Pistons ball handlers. So I think that 100% is they probably their biggest need right now. I I love that you brought that up because that is something that we want
0: to bring up is you know beginning a big man on this team, and there have been a lot of trade scenarios heating up. I think you know at this point, as we mentioned. The trade deadline is February 10th. Jeremy Grant has been the name in trade talks basically the whole season. I think he's going to be, unless something crazy happens here in the next couple of weeks, he's going to continue to be that number one guy, and he will be traded from the Pistons. So to kind of transition to some trade scenarios, I, I'm going to be optimistic here. You know, yes, it's it's possible the Pistons could end up giving him away for a return that we as Pistons fans do not like. But this is an optimistic podcast. This guy's being dudes. So let's live in a fantasy world and pretend that these two rumors are the only ones that are going to happen because these seem to be the hottest ones uh, for Pistons fans. So let's go to this one. Jeremy Grant to the Bulls for Patrick Williams. You look at Patrick Williams. He's going to second year guy hurt right now. Nothing serious. Just a wrist injury. I'd be a lot more concerned if it was something with the knee, something with the leg, something with the foot. Um, but it's not. It's just a wrist. He is, he's shooting 48.3% from the field uh, right now. And, uh, or I'm sorry, that was his rookie year and 40% from three. How, how much of a impact would he have? Should he come to the Pistons? I know landing the number one overall pick and selecting Cade really put this rebuild on an acceleration that this city wasn't expecting that this management wasn't expecting. What would landing another young stud like Patrick Williams do for this team? How much more does that move the needle?
1: Well, if you remember that he came in the same draft as Killian Hayes. And before that draft, Troy Reaver, it was speculated. He was the main one who was who had gotten his stock up, uh, Patrick Williams, because he was so high in Patrick Williams. And they were saying that the Pistons really wanted him. Uh, and eventually the Bulls took him, I believe, with the fifth pick, right uh, two picks before the Pistons, I believe, or the fourth pick. Uh, but yeah, I think Patrick Williams would be a really good piece for the Pistons. Uh, it would continue their their versatility defensively that they've created with this team, having Cade, Killian, Sadiq, Hamdou Diallo, Isaiah Stewart. Just all along, even Jeremy Grant. You can just say while he's on the roster now. Just throughout the roster right now, they have guys who are able to switch one through five. You got Cade who's like six 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 seven. You got Killian who's like six five two fifteen. You got Sadiq who's able to switch across two to four. You got Hamdou Diallo who plays bigger than he is. You got Isaiah Stewart, who's able to switch on the perimeter. So I think that's something that Troy Reaver really wants to keep intact on this team, a team that's able to place to switch along uh, from top to bottom, so they don't have to worry about attacking or guys trying to take advantage of them on defense, mismatch wise. Uh, offensively, I don't know as much about Patrick Williams. I know that he has, from what I've, from, from the Bulls guys I've spoken to and and what I've heard, uh, he lacks aggression at this point, but. You know, as a young guy, I don't think that's anything to be too scared about. He's definitely is a tremendous uh, prospect and someone that the Pistons would love to have. Though uh, I, I know we're trying to be optimistic, and if it does happen, I think we all would be happy about it. But it, with the injuries that are coming to the Bulls now, just over and over, with Lonzo, uh, Levine was dealing with something. Demar, all these guys, and, and now you got Alex Caruso, DJJ. All these guys are just dealing with injuries with the Bulls. I, I, I'm starting to think that. It's gonna be it's looking bleaker and bleaker that they end up making a move because of the repeated injuries that they've had over and over and over over the last like two weeks. but here's here's my thing with that though. Don't you
0: think that maybe Chicago would consider it regardless of the injuries because of how all in they went this year? I mean signing Demar, trading for Vooch last year, getting Lonzo. like do don't you think that would kind of go along with the, I guess the vibe of the season, which is just going all in?
1: Yeah, it, before the injuries, I would agree that definitely it makes sense if I was the GM to go all in and give up a guy who you would say is probably not contributing as to the to a contender like you think you would. And Patrick Williams, he's a young guy and needs to develop and stuff. And the Bulls are in a win now position right now. However, I think the thing that changes it is because Caruso is out, going to be out for a while. Lonzo just tore his uh, meniscus, I believe. Right, I believe it was his meniscus that he just had happen. Right, um, so. It, if these were injuries that they thought that they could, you know, the guys will be back quicker and they wouldn't fall down the standings, then maybe they still would remain in that win now. But now I'm starting to think that the bulls may fall down the standings. And by the time they get those guys back and by the time, you know, they incorporate Jimmy Grant with all those guys, they may be too far down the standings to really like, like seriously consider themselves contenders at that point. If they were at like top four and they were able to get Jimmy Grant, then okay. I think they're starting to become a serious, serious possibility, especially with how deep the East is from like two to nine. It's like real close for all in that area. So with the Bulls losing those injuries, there's a legitimate chance they could fall to like six and they could still be a really good team, but they could be like six, seven seed because of how deep the East is. So I don't know. It could, it could work both ways, but figuring the fact that it sounded like that they weren't too eager and, or, or happy about including Williams in a trade for Jeremy Grant beforehand. I think the injuries kind of even more put a dent into that.
2: So one of my favorite, so one of my favorite trade rumors right now is uh, we're gonna move over to Atlanta and we're gonna look at John Collins. <clears throat> uh, this guy is a guy that averages seventeen points, eight rebounds, and then this guy is shooting forty-two percent from the three, and then. Th- from the field. Um, We were both discussing and we both agree that we need a center. So this is a a scenario where we're going to pick up a center rather in the draft or in free agency. And then we're going to use Jeremy Grant in order to get a power forward. Do you think that this is a right move for the Pistons to move Isaiah Stewart to the bench or potentially have him in the starting lineup within a rotation and then getting John Collins would he be able to explode on the Pistons and be able to bring us like is he like another piece that would be useful for Cade Cunningham to have on the team
1: well he 100% would be another good piece he's, he's a really damn good player uh, and, they, and they definitely would love to have him there's two things that keep me held up about going after John Collins uh, well one I don't know if the Pistons are going to want to attack this need right now, considering the fact they're going to have a top pick in the offseason in this draft. And this draft, all the top guys are, are – a lot of these top guys are big guys. So I don't know if they're going to want to go all in like they're going to have to go on John Collins because you're likely going to have to attach another asset with Jeremy Grant. They're probably The Hawks are probably not going to do a straight-up swap of Jeremy Grant and, and John Collins. And the rumor I've seen is Jeremy Grant in a first or Jeremy Grant and another young guy on the Pistons. And with the Pistons having cap space this off offseason to be able to go get someone they want, they've been linked to DeAndre Aiden and also having a top pick in the draft, they could re- realistically attack both those needs that we're talking about in, in about two weeks of the off season. They, it could happen that quick out there. So I don't know if they want to, if, if they could just get Jeremy Grant for a John Collins swap that, I, I think they do that, but I don't know if they're going to be willing to try to attach anything to Jeremy Grant to get something where they could just, uh, the, I think the better route that they're looking at is, well, we can double dip here. We can in the offseason, we can get these guys in the draft and in the free agency and then use Jeremy Grant to shore up some other things instead of, OK, let's attach an asset to Jeremy Grant of a person that fills a role that we could figuratively fill in the offseason. So I think they're going to look to get rid of Jeremy Grant to shore up things, not attach anything to Jeremy Grant to get more uh, someone maybe more valuable. I, I could it could happen. I know John Collins apparently is very available, and I, there's no doubt the Pistons are probably interested in him. I just, from what I know and understand, I would I, I would call it uh, unlikely that the Pistons would attach Jeremy Grant and a first round pick to get him. If it did happen, though, I wouldn't rule it out. I just would be shocked. Yeah, it it that's that's what sucks, right? Is because like you want to be optimistic, but
0: you're looking at this from Atlanta's perspective, and you're kind of like, I mean, how much would would Jeremy Grant bring to that team? You know, I know they probably overachieved last year, you know, making it to the East finals and all that. But what would German grant, you know, really, really bring to that team? Um, You know, you mentioned Deandre Ayton, and that's one thing that I want to hit on. I think it was very clear. I believe it was over the summer that he was not happy while with the Phoenix suns, not giving him that max deal. Do you think that Ayton is the kind of guy that would go to any team right now, as long as he gets the max, do you, do you think that Detroit would throw him the max considering that we do have Cade who yes, right now he's making rookie money. I know he was his number one overall pick, but it's nothing compared to max money. Do you think that they would take DeAndre and with all that money, knowing that three
1: to four years down the line, we're going to have to give Cade a bag? 100%. I think I, from what we've heard, uh, would I give DeAndre in the max, I think I'm kind of hesitant like the Suns are to give him the full on max. I don't know if he's a max player. Uh, but a lot of times with this, with, with the way the, 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 pay, the contracts work, a lot of guys aren't really being paid on what they're worth. This is kind of a you're the next man up kind of thing. When, on a rookie scale contract, your extension's up. You're worth this. We have to pay you because you're worth this much to our team. All that stuff, yada, yada. Do I think DeAndre in and of himself is a max player? Probably not. Uh, so I get why Phoenix is somewhat hesitant to give it to him. But it sounds like that the Pistons are, are really high on him. Uh, And he's, he's a damn good player as well. It's not like he's not worth a lot of money. Uh, So I think it would take someone offering the max to get him out of the Phoenix. So I think the pisses would probably be interested in doing so they've been linked to him for a few months now. Uh, So if that opportunity arose, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they did do that, even though I do think when push comes to shove, the Suns will eventually end up giving him that max that he wants.
2: So what's one of, all right. So if you have one player that you want to choose in the league, in order for the Pistons to pick up the best suitable um, player for the Pistons in their situation right now, and you could even like have Jeremy Grant as like um, an option to trade. Who would you pick up for the Pistons in order for them to make the next step in order to become contenders within the playoffs?
0: Yeah, what's in the what's in the locked on Pistons trade machine right now?
1: Well, the, so there's there's a few teams that I wanna I, I'm gonna throw out there. I actually made a bet with with one of my friends that uh, of a team I think is like a sneaky contender for a Jeremy Grant. And if you guys remember, obviously when the Pistons traded for Blake Griffin, no one saw Blake Griffin being traded. No one heard any rumors about the Clippers shopping Blake Griffin. So a lot of times it's the team that you're not hearing about that's not in the rumors that ends up making the trade. You didn't know that the Pistons were in the market for some superstar at the time. Like a lot of times that's what happens. So there's two teams, or there's probably more than two teams if I kept looking through it. But one team I think is interesting is the Wizards. Uh, they've been linked to Jeremy Grant. I really would like Rui Hachimura uh, for Jeremy Grant. You have to attach something else to Rui as well, as long along with a contract to match it. Uh, I don't know if they would give a first-round pick. I think you could get uh, – I well, I would try to pry out of them. I would try to probably pry out of them. Rui, Denny, Avija, I think I said his name. However oh, right. the heck then, you say his name. <laughs> yeah, and then – just the match. I forget what the contract they have on their on their books right now that matches the salary. I forget the guy's name, uh, but that's something I would look for. I think that would be a good pickup for the Pistons. I really like Rui Hachimura. I don't know if they're going to part ways with Rui. They probably would part ways with Denny, but Denny himself is not worth that much. You'd have to get like a first. Then you'd I I would start asking for a first round pick. Uh, but that's a team I would be interested in. Another one that I think is sneaky, is like a sneaky team to watch is the Golden State Warriors. I've been saying Golden State for like a while. I think that. I, I think Golden State recognizes that they could win the championship this year. And you haven't heard them – beginning of the year, you, you heard them in trade talks. They've kind of been quiet since then. And for me, that kind of like perks my ears a little bit, that they've it's kind of like went quiet with them completely. And I know they have a lot of young guys that you would say not necessarily are ready to be real contributors to contenders, and that's where the Golden State Warriors are, especially with Clay coming back. I would like James Wiseman, that they could try to get James Wiseman. Uh, I would take Poole. Uh, they have a few other guys on that roster. They have a lot of guys that I would be interested in from their young, uh, from their young crop right there. So I think Dolan State recognizes that they're going to be in potentially winning a championship this year. And if they can go all in and get Jamie Grant to add to their stock, I think they could do that. Uh, so those are two teams that I'd be interested in. If I had to pick one player, he's not going to happen. Uh, it, it's not going to happen, but this is one player I've been begging for the Pistons to get ever since his name. Got brought up in trade rumors like two years ago, and that's Miles Turner. If they could get Miles Turner, I would be so happy. He's you know, the guy that I have a similar.
2: Yeah. Uh, I have a similar player. I have one player that I like really want, like the golden player for the Pistons, that I think that could solve all of our problems, and that's Jared Allen. I think that the oh, yeah. four presidents right now uh, with the Cavaliers, when they have Kevin Love, they have Markkanen, they have Mobley, and then they have also Jared Allen. They're not going to be able to pay all these people. And then they also have Garland, Evan Sexton. So I think that um, uh, Jared Allen is our guy, to be honest with you. He's he's a brick wall, and he's able to uh, space the floor pretty well.
1: But I saw something. I'll say this to you guys. This I, this is a, a name that I'd keep my eye out on. I, I out on. The Pistons have been linked to recently a few guys who are like guard off ball scorers. You've heard Jalen Brunson brought up. It sounds like that's going to be a guy who, who they could possibly pursue in free agency. You just brought up a guy that I would not, I would keep my eye on. I would not be shocked if he gets traded. And I also would not be shocked that the Pistons somehow are like interested in him. Cause he seems like from what the rumors are saying about the kind of guard scoring guard, they want next to Cade. I would not be shocked if they go after Con Sexton. I, I just keep out for that. Yes, I am so happy you said that.
0: I'm a huge Colin Sexton guy. He's just I mean, he's just a dog, man. They also I mean, have
2: Rookie uh Ricky Rubio. and uh, then that yeah. team that team is so loaded with talent and it's just overflowing the talent. If we're able to step into their front office and pick apart their their team and be able to steal a couple of players, I think that'd be huge for the for the Pistons. Um Colin Sexton, he'd be playing what, the shooting guard since Cade would be playing the point guard. Like how would that work?
1: Uh, if he if he came here, he definitely would be in an off-ball scoring role. Now, I, I don't know. I, I don't have anything saying it's going to happen. Or they're interested. I'm just speculating off of the fact, like you said, they have a lot of talent over there in, in, in Cleveland. They've been rumored to trying to get off of consex, Sexton. He's hurt for the year. The Pistons have been linked to some off-ball scoring guards. Rumors said that they want a scoring guard next to Cade. Uh, you've seen Killian get moved to the bench. They kind of want him in like a, a facilitating, controlling the second unit and coming in and closing games with K, but they want, like, a scorer next to Kay Cunningham. You've kind of seen Corey Joseph kind of try to fill that role. You saw him score 18 points the other night. So, kind of, sucks. I know they're shopping him. I know he probably they're probably going to move him. So, it's just a name that I think would make sense if, if the Pistons really want that type of move. And he's not going to affect their standings this year because he's not going to play this year because of injury. I wouldn't be shocked if the Pistons, like, took a swing on that. But it would take more, probably. Absolutely, yeah. No, the Pistons... For sure. For
0: sure. Need some more scoring here. Uh, you know, besides Kate, I mean, I know every night we get the Sadiq popping off and he's done a lot better, you know, since, uh, he went actually really, since he started wearing a headband, you know, he really had some shooting woes there. And I was getting really, really, really concerned. Um, but I don't want to ask you about Sadiq Bay. What I want to, what I want to know is how many pieces away do you think the team is? Let's say the Colin Sexton trade happens just for shits and gigs. Right. And for shits and extra shits and, shits and gigs. Let's pretend he's healthy right now. How far away is this team from t- true contention, at least in the East? And I guess by true contention, I mean home court advantage. I know we're going to have to be patient with Cade. He's already very good, but he's 20 years old. He is a sneaky 220 pounds. I'd like to see him get up to 235, 240. I think he would be an absolute monster at that weight, especially if he's still able to move around the way he does now at the weight he is now. How many pieces away are this, is this team from true contention? Assuming that we either trade for a guy like Colin Sexton, you know, land a huge free agent like DeAndre Aiden, I, I guess, start of the 2022-23 season, how far away is this team?
1: So with con- like this, with a guy like Colin Sexton, I think that's, I haven't thought about that. So I, it would be tough for me to answer that. So I, I'll go off of, the start of the 20, like, to take this roster into the offseason, assume, assume that Jeremy Grant is traded for some kind of, like, compensation, whatever. So, actually, th- before last week, I would have, like, came on here a lot more, like, depressed about that or, like, gave you a lot a, a more of a depressed answer. But the game, the last game they played was the first time I've seen them, like, lay out their blueprint of what they're trying to do here. And it made me, like, I actually got excited because I could see, like, what they're trying to do. So it comes down; it's going to come down to a lot of things before I can even say how far they are, because they need they need development within their own core right now. Cade is the guy they got Cade, but what their blueprint is, they want Killian Killian Hayes to really be a, a off-ball Alonso type for this team, and they want him to be able to control the second unit and then close with Cade, and be able to play that switchability. Now that is going to heavily depend on whether Keelan can develop this outside shot. If you know Lonzo Ball, and Lonzo Ball is like the heavy comparison that he's been getting over this year. Lonzo reworked his jump shot and took a season and a half for it to really come through. He played the season and took another off season. Then the results came. Keelan just reworked his jump shot this last off season. I think the hope in this front office is that next season you see that outside shot develop. So if that happens, you're a step closer. Then you want Sadiq to continue to buy into this role that you've seen him play now, this more of a three and D role, take a lot of threes, shoot layups and draw fouls, all those kind of things. If he continue to buy into that role and develop what he's good at, that's another step. I think the, basically overall the major number one step is internal development. It's going to have to come from there because Detroit's not a sexy city that everyone's going to want to come to. I love Detroit, but it's, it, free agents are just going to come flocking to Detroit. So 100%, the main thing is internal development among Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, Diallo, All these guys, internal development has to happen. I think the, and me personally, I think the biggest key there, like that can unlock things. It could either keep the team down or unlock things is Killian Hayes. If he can improve and get to where they want him to, that unlocks a different thing. If he doesn't, now they have another thing they have to fill in. And then I would say if that, all that stuff can happen, I think they are a big man and a wing scorer away from being, and obviously they need to have depth. I think like guys like Frank Jackson and, who, who, like Saban Lee, those guys, they're not, they're not like ideal at that point. I think Frank Jackson is fine, but he's not like who you want, I would say, like as your main guy off the bench when you're trying to win games for real. So I think their internal development, a big man, offensive big man, and another wing scorer away from being a legit, like contending for a top four, top five seed. It takes all all of that. Okay fair and then before i would have said like a lot more things like i would have went all out and like you have to replace off ball guard you need to go out there and 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 replace like sadiq possibly a power forward like you would i would have had so many more things to say but i'm starting to see like what they want out of each of these guys and if each of these guys can reach where they want the holes are starting to become more clear of where like they want to piece in each puzzle piece in and that and
0: that is a positive thing because like you know Really before the new year. Yeah, we knew Cade was going to be pretty good. He was starting to ramp up, you know, get into the flow of things, but the team overall was really struggling. And not to say that they're not struggling now in 2022. Obviously, they're still not a good basketball team by NBA standards, but I think at least we can see that they have improved. You know, they were winning games. They're close in a lot more games now. I know they just lost a close one to the Nuggets, albeit they are you know, decimated by injuries uh, right now there in Denver. One thing that I did want to ask you, though, and you brought it up a little bit earlier in the episode, was this, I think I can call it a regression from Isaiah Stewart, offensively at least slightly. What are you seeing out there that you think is leading him to shy away from those outside shots? Because I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I saw him take a few of those almost every game last year, and it didn't look bad to me. you know it was something that I was looking forward to that I wanted him to keep doing and keep shooting and keep working on his outside game. and I'm pretty disappointed as a fan to see that he's really shied away from taking those outside shots and his shot overall just looks a little bit different to me. What are you seeing out there that that's causing him to do that? And do you think that is a you know do you think that's instructions from coaching or is uh is this a confidence issue for Stu?
1: Well, first you brought coaching. Dwayne Casey came out today in, in, in an interview, like every day they have like a little interview you do with after practice, whatever. Um, and he came on and said that he's working with Isaiah Stewart and spacing the floor because they need him to some like take at least mid-range jumpers and have some kind of gravity out there. So the coaching staff is aware that they need that. Um, when you you bring up last year. Uh, and there's a bunch of layers to this with Isaiah Stewart, because I feel like me personally, and I said this on my podcast last year towards the end of the year, I said in the off season, I feel like Isaiah Stewart was a fan favorite guy. Uh, he reminded a lot of people of Ben Wallace, which I called out that it, it, he shouldn't be those kind of comparisons. Ben Wallace was a freak of nature athletically. Uh, but a lot of fans just gravitated to Stewart because he was a fan favorite. He hustled, he played hard, blah, blah. And that, caused a lot of people to raise their expectations of what they wanted from Stu because they liked him so much. And you mentioned it last year. He was taking more threes. He was more uh, confident in those. That's fair. That is true. But I, I pointed this sample size right here. And I pointed to this at the end of last year that made me it, like made me completely hesitant to think that he would ever become a, a stretch big or really was close to becoming that yet all season. He was only attempting like less than a, a three a game every now and then he would have like a couple of game. Uh, But then towards the end of the year, once he became the starter, Mason Plumlee started sitting out, all that. He upped his volume from three over the last 10 games of the season as he started. He was taking three and a half a game. And once he upped his volume, he went from shooting around 37% on like a half of three a game to 25% on three and a half attempts a game. So once his volume went up from outside, his percentages sunk. So I never thought that – I didn't think that he was going to be this stretch pick. However, he was – openly willing to take these mid range shots last year and like the little short roll pick and pop. And he was really good at those. He was shooting like 56% from the 10 to 16 feet. Like he was, he was really good at those this year. He's just not taking those. So I think it has to be like a confidence issue with that. The, the least the mid range part. uh And another part, I think it's just the, I think it's just a rude awakening to a lot of fans that he's just not a starting center. And now, now instead of going against backup bigs where you can really take advantage, you know, The hustling, physicality, I'm just going to outwork you, run up and down the court kind of stuff, that stuff really works off the bench when you're going against other guys who also are not as talented, and you can just outwork them and that kind of stuff, it works. When you're a starter and you're going against other guys who are more talented than you, they're better than you, and they also work hard, now all of a sudden that simple, I'm just going to push you around, be physical with you, that's not working now. So I think it has to do with the fact that he's a starter, playing against starters now as well. And also the concerns that you had about him before the draft are really coming on display this season. His lack of explosiveness on, on drop-offs or dump-offs in the dunker spot, it's really taking, to, it really showing off. I, I bring this up to my listeners as well, I'd, I'd encourage you guys to watch for this, everyone that listens to you guys' podcast to watch for this. His go-to move in the pick-and-roll when he actually does roll, when he gets a drop-off or a dump-off, his go-to move is, is to take a dribble in, bump the guy, use his strength, And usually that would be fine because guys will get that separation with the strength of Stu and explode up and either get a layup or a dunk. What happens with Stu, and it happened last game, he got off into three seconds in like the third quarter, I believe it was. He's able to create that separation, separation, but he just lacks the explosiveness to do anything with the separation he does. So he ends up just sitting there pump faking, and it usually leads to a turnover or a three-second violation or something of that sort. So all three of those things. I think he's lacking confidence from mid-range right now. He lacks explosiveness, which people knew before this season, before his rookie season, but it's really getting put on display right now. And then also, simply, he's going against other starters now instead of other big backup big guys. So I think all those things are contributing to why you're seeing him play worse offensively.
2: So I want to get your opinion on our coach. Is Dwayne Casey the guy for this team? Do you think that he is the type of coach to actually bring us through the playoffs and actually – Coach very well to the point where we're actually contending for titles, or even not as far as titles, but I guess conference championships, semi conference championships. Do you think that Dwayne Casey is our guy? Do we should we have hope for him?
1: You're asking the wrong guy here. I don't want to, I I don't, again, you guys, you guys like you said at the beginning of the podcast, you guys like keeping it all positive and stuff, but that is one topic I'm not positive on at all. So let me, let me just say this real quick. I was credentialed during the 1920 season. The season of the pandemic when it hit, of course, I got screwed over. Uh, but Dwayne Casey, let me just like let me just put the graphic up at the bottom of the screen. Dwayne Casey is a great man, he's a great person, he's a nice person, he's very friendly, he's a leader of men, he gets guys to buy in. He's a great person. Great, great person. I he's not a very good coach, in my opinion. He's just not. He lacks he, the, the main thing about Dwayne Casey that you'll always get obvious teams and at point this season. You kind of saw that waver a little bit, I think, towards the beginning of the season. It's starting to look a little better now, but you start to waver a little bit is that he's always going to get guys to buy in. Now, whether wherever he's getting them to buy into is good, then that you can argue that. But he's very good at getting players to buy in and want to play for him. Guys respect him, guys love him. They'll play hard for the guy. However, he's if you go and listen to Toronto people talk, you've you asked a bunch of people who followed him and covered him in Toronto, they'll tell you the same thing his his creation his creativity lacks very much so. His offensive X and O's lacks very much so. When he was hired, if you guys, I don't know if you guys remember this, when he was hired, they asked him about schemes, or whatever. This is when they were asking about, oh, could you develop Stanley Johnson, Henry Ellison, because he was viewed as like this development guru. And they were asking about like the type of scheme you're going to be running. And he basically said, I, I believe the quote was, actually, no, I'm not going to try to quote him, but basically what he said was, we don't run plays. We run con- concepts. And when you watch the Pistons, you see that out there. They don't run plays. They don't come out there and, like, run uh, – they don't have a structured offense. They run concepts. And what that leads to a lot of the time is heavy isolation basketball. And that's what you see a lot this year with the Pistons. That's what you saw a lot with Toronto and why they fell in the playoffs. They went – the one year – his last year in Toronto, when he won coach of the year, it's because they were, he finally seemed. he got Nick nurse on the coaching staff and they started sharing the ball more and the ball moved a lot. And I believe they finished like first or second in the conference. Then once the playoffs came around, they went right back to isolation with DeMar Derozan, and Kyle Lye And they got blown off the floor by the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, and you saw that a lot with Jeremy Grant this year, who was like, I believe he was in the top 15 of isolation possessions, but bottom 10 in isolation percentage wise. So, so long story short, no, I don't think I, he's he's the guy that he's going to take you to the playoffs. They may make the play play in like in this final season here. but I don't think I don't think Toy Rivera believes this either. I don't believe that they expect him to be that guy when they take this next step. However, I think they have complete, complete belief in him and complete uh, uh, trust in him to be the coach during this process, the development process that gets you to that next step. Once they get to that next step, I think then they'll go get the guy that they want during that phase. But I think they have absolute complete belief in him during this phase, however long that takes. If it's next year and the year following, just next year, however long. I don't think he's anywhere close down the hot seat. I think he's going to be here as long as develop, the, the development part is going. As soon as they're ready to start winning, I think they'll go find their guy. I wouldn't rule out, by the way, just this is just me speculating, Jerome, I believe his name is Jerome Allen, who they hired from the Celtics on their assistant coaching staff. I think he's a candidate to take over once he leaves. Casey's also getting pretty old that he might just want to right off in the sunset soon, like two years. And then also Juwan Howard. I'd watch those two guys when eventually that happens.
0: Ooh, Juan
1: Howard. I was going to ask an you what,
2: yeah, I wasn't going to ask you what coaches could replace Dwayne Case because I didn't want you to like, kind of like, um, go too far with that. But like, those are actually really good candidates. Um, what kind of coaching style do you think that the Pistons would need in order to w- make this team work? Um, especially around Kate Cunningham being the number one ball handler and the number one guy. Um, do you think that we have a pace and space kind of style that we should do or a three and D like, um, I don't know. Give me your thoughts.
1: So we've, we, I've actually talked about this a lot this year as well. So um, I think they should be playing fast. They should be a faster team in transition at the beginning of the season, like the first month and a half they door Yeah. My fault. First month of the season, they are towards the bottom of the league in like transition frequency, and I thought that was just very stupid. But the team that they had, you need to play a little bit faster, especially with the inability to score in the half court. You need to try to find other ways to score, and they've picked that up tremendous, like a lot since Kate Cunningham came back and hit and hit, has hit his stride. They've picked it up a lot there, so I think they're starting to adapt to that as well. So fast, and this is like the biggest complaint. I think this leads to the biggest issue with Dwayne Casey this year, though. Some will argue that, and I can't really argue against them, that the reason why they haven't done this is because they just don't have the personnel, really, uh, and I, I can't really fault them for that. But they should be a heavy pick-and-roll team. I'm not saying like go as far back to like the Stan Van Gundy type of like every single play is a high pick-and-roll, ready Jackson, Andre Drummond, over and over and over and over. But they should be a heavy pick-and-roll team. And, and so far this year, they just haven't been. Their seventh overall pick from last year – prides himself in the pick and roll that's where he excelled at when you drafted him he was a pick and roll facilitator playmaker and for the majority of this season you hadn't seen him operate in the pick and roll at at all Uh, I know they moved him to the bench and Dwayne Casey actually came out today and said that off the bench they see him as a guy who's going to facilitate control the second unit have the ball in his hands a lot which is good that's something that's sort of been happening all season Uh, but even with Cade you don't see a lot of high pick and rolls happening that's something I think this team really needs to get to doing because both their guards operate really well in that in that uh, in that role right there. Not the handoffs, the 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 dribble handoff that Stu's not very good at, and not really a full-on pick and roll. Not the you know the side wing pick and roll kind of uh, little little set that they run when they have a guy cut down. I, I forget the set. I ran the set in high school. I don't know why I always forget this set, but I just flat out high pick and roll. You have the whole floor in set, uh, in front of you. You can see the whole floor. I think they need to get back to that. So play faster and get back to playing, like, more high pick and rolls. I think that is where you see them work the best, especially – I think that's why you see Trey Lyles. His on-off offensively for the Pistons is like a plus 8.9, and that, it's because he can space the floors. They run the pick and pop with them a lot. So I, they just need to get a center who can run pick and pops or pick and rolls, have a gravity. You mentioned Jared Allen, a type like that. Like, you know, it does not even have to be a guy as expensive as that. Like, Daniel Gafford over there with the Wizards, who's really good. That's a lob threat. You got Nolan's in the well, that kind of thing. Someone who can space the floor, Kelly Olynyk, when he's healthy, or a guy who can create gravity at the rim and suction the defense in, like you mentioned with Jerry Allen's that, that tag. So I think that's what they desperately need, and I think that will be the main thing they try to bring to the team, a pick-and-roll threat so they can run pick-and-rolls uh, going forward.
2: I completely agree because with the NBA that we're in today, there's a lot of pick-and-pops that happen. Um, especially and that's with literally like, the offense. That's now. literally the, just the offense. I mean, you look at Golden State, and, I mean, a lot of people would just kind of um, rag on me for using Golden State as an example because they're such a dynasty but like that's the reason why they're a dynasty is because Steph Curry was able to free himself every single time off of Draymond Green's screens and able to pop it at the top of the key and then just drain it every single time I mean this is a, a thing that we need to take notice with and I think that Cade Cunningham is very good with setting his feet. I think that he's very good with being able to find his shot and making good shot selections. So in order for him to keep evolving and keep growing as a player, I think that we do need a center also.
0: All right. Well, you guys heard it here first. That was our Pistons episode. He's Kuka Hill. He's the host of Lockdown Pistons. Kuka, you want to go ahead and throw out your socials for the audience one more time?
1: Yeah, go ahead and follow me at Twitter at Kuka Hill. You can also follow the podcast on all the podcast platforms, and also we have a visual version of it on YouTube every single day. We're posting over there Monday through Friday, uh, Locked On Pistons on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. I appreciate it. Appreciate you guys having me on, man. Uh, it was a lot Thank of fun. Yes. Yeah, I. It was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun talking. It was cool. And again, I just want to point this out. You mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, you were the first person who's ever recognized me in person so far from the Locked On Pistons podcast, so Uh, Definitely. I appreciate that. It was a lot of fun seeing you. Hey, listen, man. I'm I'm happy I can put an achievement in your cap. I hope
0: one, <laughs> one day I hope one day someone recognizes me while I'm absolutely kicking ass on the leg press at the gym. I really. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right, listen. Take it easy, guys. It's been another edition of the Guys Being Dudes podcast. Our socials, our Twitter, Guys Being Dude fifteen, the Instagram, GBD Podcast twenty twenty one, all of the Rise Network socials. Who are we? Are brought to you by Rise Network rise network us that's the twitter that's the instagram the youtube www.risenetworkus.com and that's going to do it for this one everyone take it easy keep warm it's freaking freezing outside i promise we're almost there guys where we're getting to the point where it's not going to be dark at 4 30 p.m we're getting there we're going to live um and that's going to do it we'll see you guys next week on guys being dudes and thank you very much for listening
2: how's the logo?